Welcome, everybody. This is Haven Audio, episode three. I've got a special guest on today, the doctor himself, Doug Matlock, my colleague and friend, mm. um, here to talk about biblical ethics. How are you doing today, Doug? I am just doing fantastic. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. It's a beautiful day. It's not windy like it was a couple of days ago. I know. What do you think of the dust bowl we had a couple of days ago? Well, I definitely uh, felt it in my eyes and my teeth. Yeah. I could. There was, there was a crunchiness. Yeah. Just to the air. Just a general, it was a yes. crunchy day, man. Very much the texture. <laughs> yeah, Reed had a, uh, my son Reed, my oldest son Reed, had a t-ball game that day, and the whole time he looked like he was crying. And I went to the <laughs> dugout, I was like, dude, what's wrong? Are you upset, you know? And he said, I've got something in my eye. I was like, all right. And I rubbed his eye. I was like, all right, you'll be fine. And then the next inning, it was the exact same thing. And I just kind of told him, I was like, well, that's how it's going to be, man, when the wind's blowing like this. I guess so. I'm really surprised they that they had the guys play. That's crazy. I didn't even think yeah. about that. It's a, it's a competitive league, dude. That's Big tr- time that's T-ball. True. There's no crying in T-ball. No. Unless the wind is blowing <laughs> dust in your eyes. <laughs> His eyes were leaking, man. <clears throat> Give him a break. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was pretty miserable, man. But... um. But the wind is not blowing like that today, which is wonderful. That's right. Yeah. And also, like, I just was watching the weather, and, you know, it's really humid this time of year, but, like, it's supposed to be really dry for the next few days, mm-hmm. even though the temperature's going up, so at least it's going to feel okay. Yeah. It's much more like that Colorado, you know, mountain summertime when it's yeah. hot during the day, but then the mornings and the evenings are pretty pretty nice. Yeah. It's when the, it's when the summertime comes around and, like, you're go you're outside at eight thirty at night and you're just like it is so hot because yeah. of the humidity is so high. Yeah. That's what I hate about yeah. summertime. Yeah, M- me me too, me too. It is not natural or right to be sweating when it's dark outside. Correct. If you're not being physically active, in my Correct. opinion, that is a mark of of sin on this world. Right, the brokenness of the universe <laughs> is shown when you sweat at night. Yes, sure. Anyway. <laughs> Transition. Speaking of the brokenness of the world, there we go. Uh, I hey. like that. That's a nice segue. <laughs> nice. Um, what we're doing is, uh, if this is your first time joining us on the podcast, we've had our Haven students, that's our college ministry students, submit questions for us to talk about on this podcast every week, and we've got several great questions. The first week, Corey and I talked about sex and what the Bible says about sex and and how we should think of sexual relationships in light of that. Um, last week we had a really fun week. We talked about dinosaurs. It's wonderful. We established that Corey wishes all dinosaurs were pink. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, explains a lot of things. It it really does. Mm -hmm. So many things. It was wonderful. And so, um, and this week we have a really interesting question and this is, um, this is kind of a heavy question, but I also think that it's going to give us a place to just dive into the scriptures and have, what I hope will be a really engaging conversation. And so um, let me go ahead and I will read the question that we got from one of our students and then we can just jump in and kind of see where we go from there. All right. Sounds great. All right. So the question was in 2009, a Kansas abortion doctor named George Tiller was murdered by a man named Scott Roeder, who later claimed that he felt no remorse for killing Tiller and that he had saved a multitude of babies by taking the doctor's life. And this student just kind of threw this out there and and was wondering, are these actions justified? Is there any world where these actions would be justified? 
or are these actions always sinful um, because it's because it's murder? Like, how should we think about something like this? Yeah, and that's that's a really great question. And um, what's great about it is that not only is it addressing just you know a relevant issue today, but it brings to the it brings to the forefront like how do we bring the Bible and what we believe into our world today? How do those things tie together? Yeah, you know, and um, when you study the questions like this or concepts like these, it brings you into the world of ethics, right? And even more specifically from our point of view, it's Christian ethics. And, um, you know, Christian ethics are uh, not, it's not just reading the Bible and Bible study, but it's, it's, it's this marriage of biblical principles, biblical ethics, and also um, context and culture and even some social sciences and things that, that are relevant to the time in which you're bringing those biblical principles into. Mm-hmm. You know, in Bible study, uh, just on its own, the best method to follow is one that starts with the original context of the Scripture, the print, you know, that the what the audience would have heard from the writing of, of you know, whomever wrote it, to, depending on what part of the Bible you're reading. You know, what what's the original audience? What's the context of the text? And then from there you find the principles of the text, the mm-hmm. things that are always true uh, no matter what time they're uh, they're found in, and then you come into personal application from there. You know, how, yeah. how's God speaking to me in my life through these things that I've already read? And so, um, ethics is very, very similar in the pursuit of it, where you are looking for the biblical ethics, the principles of the text. Um, you have to know the context often mm-hmm. to find out what those are, and then you bring them into the world today, and you compare them, and like I said, almost like marry them together with uh, you know, the norms of society, the laws that we have in our culture, um, and even some of the more uh, even outlying issues as far as like uh, social sciences, how to, you know, sociology, how does sociology tie into this? And, mm-hmm. and even in the case of uh, of this guy, Scott Roeder, you know, we're going to talk about even mental illness too, yeah. you know, all yeah. together. So uh, yeah, approaching this is not, you know, like, the Bible is incredibly important. In fact, mm-hmm. in just a second, we'll talk about how like that's the baseline for everything, right? It's the revelation from God. But uh, we're also trying to uh, live in today yes. and bring that text, which is still applicable today, but also mm-hmm. understand it correctly. That's yeah. where I think we get mixed up is when we don't understand how God is speaking to us today through yeah. his word. Yeah, because ultimately the Bible is a contextual work, right? It's right. not just um, a collection of truisms like you might read in um, kind of a philosophy class or mm-hmm. uh, it's not like a uh, fable that is meant from the start to be kind of disconnected from the world around it in a way. The Bible is is a contextual work made up of several different subgenres within the scriptures, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of them are a lot of the scriptures are written as letters um, addressing specific um, issues, and a lot of them are written as like the proverbs that that give um, more broad advice for life in general. And right. our job as the modern Christian is to do exactly what you just said, right? To to look into the scriptures and see the context, but also draw out principles from that context and apply those principles in a faithful way. Right. And also like how you you, know, you mentioned looking at 
it all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what there's also, I guess, a, a danger in um, addressing questions like these and issues like these, and uh, you know, going to the Bible to find answers mm-hmm. is often we we look for just the parts that we want to see or just the parts we think apply, and not looking at the Scripture as a whole, because God spoke the Scriptures through uh, you know several several years, you know, centuries, a couple thousand years worth of authors and times and people, and but it all ties together. It is a complete work. Mm-hmm. And so um, you have to look at the Scripture within the context of itself, too, and not just uh, what we might consider, you know, the term proof texting. Yes. Trying to find something that supports your point of view so that then you can have now a weapon to go and carry out something like what this man did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And the Bible as a whole, really, um, in my opinion, one of the reasons that we are we are called to we we need to look at the Bible as a whole is because it re- reflects the character of God. And mm-hmm. there's no single text or single book or or anything like that that completely encompasses God's character. Because there's places where we see God's wrath, right? And and we see God. Um, using his people as instruments for that wrath, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but we also see God's grace and and um, his love, and and we see how those things intermingle and how they aren't contradictory, right? And mm-hmm. so, what um, what does um, God show us about Himself in the Scriptures? Right. Well, you know uh, that that that's a really great question. And um, uh, first off, we see you know. As God, when God is showing Himself to us, you know we see that He's He's initiating mm-hmm. that revelation. He's initiating the relationship between us, where God, who um, is, you know, He's invisible to us with our eyes. He's making Himself visible through certain things. You know, for mm-hmm. like the which which we refer to as the doctrine of revelation. He's revealing Himself. To us, and he does that through certain ways. Um, our primary way, I would say, would be through the Bible, you mm-hmm. know, through the Word of God, uh, through His Holy Spirit. We believe He inspired authors to write the words of Scripture so that He could communicate not just the people that saw them in their time, but also now. Mm-hmm. But also, we know that God reveals Himself through Jesus. God in flesh, you know, God in our world, in our dimension, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, and so we see a lot from that, too. How did, how Jesus, not only what he said, but how he lived, yeah. reveals to us. Yeah, how he responded to everyday questions that right. are, are kind of like this, in that they respond to specific events and specific moments of time. And right. he applied his character, mm-hmm. the character of God, to those situations yeah. in every case, right? Yeah. And you also see his response to other people, yeah, which is important, I think, in this context, in this question. How he treated other people is very, very important. Yeah. Um, we also see, though, God revealing himself through history and historical events, how he worked in the world. And um, that helps, I think, understand a little bit of the premise or maybe some of the background that we'll get to coming into this issue. Mm-hmm. But um, the biggest things, though, you know, through the Bible, through Jesus, those are our primary modes of speci- we call it specific revelation when God is actually you know specifically speaking or he's living through Jesus and um, or living as Jesus I should say and then uh, you know there's other revelation too that's out there mm-hmm. that that we call general revelation which is um, uh, 
we look at like nature as being the primary example of that, where we see the, the creation, we know there's a creator, we know that there's something that, or someone who has created that, but uh, so it's like the, almost like the first step, mm-hmm. and even the Bible speaks to that, but then there's a next level of that, which comes in the specific or special revelation when God actually reveals himself to us, which is incredibly important mm-hmm. when we're talking about carrying out actions today, how we should live today. Yeah, We have to go to see um, what God says about that and then also how he lived. Mm-hmm. Because if we have faith in Christ, if we are Christ's followers, we are God's people. And so we should live like God's people. Mm-hmm. So to look like that, or excuse me, to look about how what that should look like, we need to look at the character of God, see how he wants us to live. And then, you know, again, like I said, ultimately that, we see that in Jesus. Yeah. And his yeah. Life. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the midst of our imperfections and in the midst of all the mistakes that we all make um, time and time again, we are in many ways um, collectively um, God's mouthpiece or reflection on earth in, in, in so many ways. Right. We are right. we're called to represent him to the world around us. And therefore, it really um, it really falls on us to really understand God's character so that we might work towards reflecting it as imperfect as we might do imperfectly as we might do that right Mm -hmm. um so we talk about the character of god right and uh and like i mentioned earlier um god is is so big and multifaceted that it's hard to really understand it um completely and you can if you uh wanted to proof text like you mentioned earlier uh you can you could justify so many things that that would not necessarily um, reflect who God is. Um, A seminary professor I had at one point um, in a hermeneutics class uh, quoted, and I don't even remember exactly where, where the scripture was, but there there's a verse in um, one of the epistles that just the whole verse is do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Right. And, and his whole point was like, you could use this as a proof text to, ban all interaction with the world around you right right like in 2020 with the coronavirus <laughs> yes, yes exactly right yeah. yeah like that that was just that was written for 2020 right exactly um, and uh but you know his whole point was you know that verse was actually written in kind of a sarcastic manner you might say it was mm-hmm. um i believe it was paul but paul was was uh was calling out people who say, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, mm-hmm. um, without fully engaging with the situation that they were in, right? Sure, sure. Um, and and so, like I said, there are so many ways that we can me- misrepresent God, um, even if we have the best of intentions, if we don't understand his character. And, and one of the um, kind of examples of that that I think um, we all have to deal with at some point, and I think a lot of our students have to deal with um, being in classrooms with professors who might not necessarily um, agree with um, a biblical worldview, who might actually be right. completely opposed to a biblical worldview. A lot of times people point out um, seemingly contradictory parts of God's character, right? Right, right. And like I mentioned earlier, there were, there were times um, you think of um, like Joshua and, and God's people going into the promised land where God called his people to be instruments of his justice and, mm-hmm. and do things that, you know, seem really similar or may actually be similar to what Scott Roeder did to 
to George Tiller, right? Um, right. Executing right. God's justice on people. And there's things like imprecatory Psalms that, you know, where, um, you know, you see David praying that, that God would break the teeth of his enemies and all of this stuff, right? Sure. And that has me wondering, how should we think about those things in light of the things you just mentioned with Jesus and the way that he lived on this earth and handled his enemies and, and, and his friends and, and the relationships that he had. Right, right. And, you know, see, therein lies the, um, the I guess, the great example of the danger of just going and looking at one part of the Scripture mm-hmm. and then using it as uh, a proof text or a foundation or a, or a banner of, like, this is now how we should live, right? Yeah. And so addressing the issue of God instructing his people to, you know, carry out his judgment, to wipe out mm-hmm. cities of people, I mean, completely wipe out cities of people. Um, it's very difficult for us to to reconcile that fact because it's it's a really difficult situation. A couple of things that, that, that I'll say about that is, um, again, we're looking at the scripture as a whole, right? We mm-hmm. don't see that, that M.O. of life carrying on Throughout the whole of Scripture, God's people do not, beca- you know, do not uh, become um, the judges of the world who carry out the vengeance of God upon yeah. other. I mean, in fact, I mean, they get the the same treatment mm-hmm. to them later on in their own existence as when we look forward uh, in time to the exile when Babylon takes over Jerusalem, when when the ten tribes of the north are wiped out by the um, Sumerians and. Uh, so like it's it's just or Samaria it's Samaritans excuse me so like uh uh or Assyria however you want to look at it either way what I'm saying <laughs> is like it, it's it, if you go and just look at that one section mm-hmm. okay well this you know okay let's do this but then if you look at the rest of Scripture it doesn't make sense yeah um so we see that first also like we see that there's not really like a defense like God doesn't really necessarily give us the reason why. Mm-hmm that he acted in that way or his people acted in that way in that time. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult like for us to stand up and say, well, this is why, you know, we can make, we can make some, maybe some arguments, some theories, you know, explain some things mm-hmm. uh, to the best that we can. But ultimately it's up to, to why God decided to act that way. Yes. You know, uh, in studying this specific, I mean, time of history, there's some different thoughts out there. There are thoughts of, of the fact that, you know, God was just using his people to carry out his wrath. Um, the people that that were inhabiting the land that Joshua and the nation of Israel uh, moved into and wiped out were not just normal people living their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were they were bad, mm-hmm. bad people. History outside the Bible shows us the type of uh, practices that these, these groups of people were uh, employing in mm-hmm. their day. And it was very, very bad. I mean evil and so we, we, we can look in that and see maybe some of the character of God it's just where yeah. he, he detests that evil and but I mean even there if you just stop there then you're going to start seeing like the connections now where this guy Scott you know sees well now I need to carry out the same kind of you yeah. know wrath upon this doctor mm-hmm. however like I said we can't stop there but also there's some there's some other thoughts out there like there's one called progressive revelation where um God throughout history is working alongside of humans as they grow uh, in order to help them, you know, grow into 
more of his character. And I don't know. I mean, that 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 that's a thought out there. Again, I'm not going to try and stand up and explain God's mm-hmm. motives mm-hmm. because I don't fully know all of them. In fact, I mean, if you look through Scripture, when people try to understand that, there's times when God's like, "You just you just won't get it," yeah. because you can't. Yeah. Um, but I do know that like that's not how he always is because we see that the the most mercy God shows is to everyone mm-hmm. through himself coming as a human in Jesus to give his own life for the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. And, no, you know, we, we can't take those moments with Joshua and the mm-hmm. people and say, okay, that's how we should be God's people. Yeah. Because they they were they're almost like they're time locked in that specific mm-hmm. moment in time. They are specific to that group of people to that situation. They are not a basis for us to build a doctrine off mm-hmm. of, or even build a well. I mean, um, I should say more more correctly, a theology out. Of. Yes, this is not how we should live every day. Our you know mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah, because I mean, when you zoom out from specific moments like that in the scriptures, um, and not to minimize those, but if you zoom out and kind of look at the whole context of scriptures, there are times where God's people uh, were the instruments of God's wrath, right? Mm-hmm. You look at, at Joshua and, and the Israelites coming into the promised land for one and, and, and things like that. And just like you mentioned, there are times where God's people are the subjects of wrath, correct? Yeah. right? And they are on the receiving end of that. But ultimately, when you look at the the turning point of all of Scripture or, or the crux of all of Scripture, um, we really see God taking that wrath himself. Right. right. And and right. we understand what that is through the Old Testament. You know, I mean, in my opinion, the way I, the way I look at the Old Testament is you look at those at those uh, specific moments, whether that's when God's people are the instruments of God's wrath, the subject of his wrath or anything in between. Mm-hmm. And we have very specific practical things we can pull out of that. We can look at um, the people who God was having his people conquer and and we can see the. Um, the sin that was going on there, and we can we can apply that to our life. But we can also zoom out from that and and see that God is just, mm-hmm. and He is He is fair in His justice, and in His fair justice, He saw fit to rescue us from being subjects of the ultimate wrath of God, which is the um, condemnation for our sin. Right. Right. And. In right. so doing, he put that on his own son. Yeah. He took that on himself, right? Right. Um, and, and for me, I think that that's one of the, uh, you know, if we're going to jump into the gospel for just a second, I mean, I think that that's one of the most important practical applications from stories like that in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. And as, as God, you know, moves throughout, if you, you know, you look through the, the, the chronology of the scripture, mm-hmm. you know, you've got those moments where his people are carrying out judgment. But then mm-hmm. you move on into even like I think of like Jonah, mm-hmm. you know, who's a prophet now of God's people, who goes to a city of Nineveh. Yes. Another wicked place. And so in, in this time instead, God's providing mercy mm-hmm. through Jonah. You know, we have the whole story of Jonah. But then, you know, and then Nineveh repents and they're saved. Not long after though, then they have judgment against them because they turn back again. Yes. But then as we progress, like you said, then we find the Son of God giving his life for us, mercy mm-hmm. through Jesus. And that's really how God establishes 
his people to live on through the rest of time is through Jesus, through his example, through the church. And we see the establishment now of not just his people in a group of people in the nation of Israel, but then and we see God's people as being now everyone that follows Christ, both Jew and Gentile alike. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it crosses over ethnic boundaries, you know, their, uh, socioeconomic boundaries, uh, educational boundaries. Um, the, the gospel is for everyone. Yeah. No matter what color you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much money you make, the gospel is for everyone. Everyone is in the people of God. And now the established way to live is to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. we, and we see that. And as you read through the New Testament, everything you read points back to that. How can we now reflect Jesus, God's specific revelation mm-hmm. in flesh, how can we live our lives to reflect him? And that's the final word that we have, the continuation of how God desires his people to live throughout the rest of history. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really where we pick up and where we understand that that's the proper context in which we look at the life of the Christian today mm-hmm. is where God is the journey he sets us off on. Yes. And... Um, those events that happened thousands of years ago within the God, you know, the 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 people of God with Joshua are are specific to that time, mm-hmm. but they're not by any way prescriptive of how we should live today. Yeah, we, it is necessary for us to look at those events and all events, for that matter, through the lens of the life and work of Jesus Christ. Right, right, right. And it, this is a simplification of answering, I think, any question mm-hmm. like today's question, but. Our mission is to be like Jesus and through our lives show others who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And so everything really comes back to that issue. Everything really comes back to that lens or filter because we, you know, we think of that today with, with our thinking, what a, what a filter might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so any action that we have has to have that filter. Yeah. And so today, not just like uh, this, this, at the actions of this man with... Um, you know, he, he murdered somebody. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to more of that in just a second. But, like, I mean, when we think of uh, just abortion in general, how, yeah. w- ways that we can deal with abortion in general, however we're going to approach that issue has to come back to, do people see Jesus through me mm-hmm. and how I'm doing this? If, if it means I'm going to go stand outside of an abortion clinic and hold up a sign, okay, do people see Jesus in me when I'm doing that? If it means I'm going to have conversations with people walking to and from the clinic, do people see Jesus in me? And I say that because I've watched some videos of people mm-hmm. that video themselves interacting with folks going in and out of abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have, any, at, at its core, I don't have a problem with people being in that situation. Mm-hmm. However, the way that people treat those folks who are going in and out of those places mm-hmm. is very, very poor and does not reflect Jesus. Yeah. For, uh, for At least in the moments that I've seen. Yes. I'm not saying I've seen all of them. But then also, even, okay, so that's that's like that issue. But then you go look at like protests, which are happening right now, right? Yeah. Um, within our form of government, within our way of life, we can protest. That's great. Mm-hmm. Do people see Jesus in us when we do that? Yeah. And um, we're getting a little bit into, into some other, like some questions that I think help us. I mean, we have to answer, you know, well, what about like... Uh, situations with uh, like like the revolutionary war mm-hmm. you know you know how do we handle that and yeah. it's hard to tackle all that right here right now mm-hmm. but it always comes back to like do people see Jesus in us yes yeah and thankfully in 
what he did for us on the cross and um, the 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 payment that he that he made for our sin and and the salvation that he bought for us he gave us the ability to intimately understand the mind of God in a way that people like Joshua didn't have in the right. Holy Spirit right right and so I think it's important for us to think about the Holy Spirit in the in the life of, of the believer right mm-hmm. exactly and in fact you know you, you think about the the differences between like you mentioned now and then you know mm-hmm. back in in the times of the Old Testament the temple represented the presence of God yeah you know in the world and um, while the Holy Spirit was at work in the world there uh, the there wasn't this concept of the people being the temple of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, God desired his people to be his priests to the world, to, to carry him to the, to the world, and, and they really didn't until Jesus came along and fulfilled that plan. Yeah. And, um, you know, through the Holy Spirit, uh, we now uh, not only carry God's presence wherever we go, but then also, like you said, we have this um, deeper relationship with God than ever before, where mm-hmm. now God is working within us to transform us into his people. Yes. And um, we have to ask ourselves, you know, like, would the Holy Spirit lead someone to take a life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, specifically to this question, uh, to this issue of uh, this man who took the life of the abortion doctor, you know, we, we can ask that question here, but also, mm-hmm. like, I mean, what about... Uh, people who serve in the in the police force, or who fight in wars, who serve in the armed forces, yeah. you know, who who, uh, who take lives as part of uh, serving justice, or in in the moments of war, you know, certain Christians and Christian groups, churches, denominations, uh, take what what we refer to as pacifism, right, mm-hmm. where, where they do not participate in the armed forces. Um, like they'll never take a life. Yeah. Um, uh, and but some Christians do. Some Christians mm-hmm. serve in the armed forces, and and they've taken lives before. And uh, so that's that's a little bit different as far mm-hmm. as like that conversation is is good to have. It's good to yeah. talk about. And I, and I believe the Bible teaches. And there's a little bit we'll see in just a minute from the scripture that helps us to see as far as like um, justice mm-hmm. and. And um, how death plays into that. War is a whole other issue. Yeah. Uh, and how does that all play out? Um, that That's really outside of the purview of this question, but mm-hmm. it's still out there. And we still have to follow the Holy Spirit on those things. Um, the, the real issue here is, you know, the carrying out vengeance. Yes. This man took it upon himself to be... Not only the judge, yeah, but the executioner, yes, in the case, yes, and he wasn't a part of any kind of organized uh, official body where he wasn't a part of like a police force yeah. or uh, an agency commissioned by a government mm-hmm. or or no, an armed force uh, as far as like the army, you know, a branch yeah. of our military. Yeah. So um, his situation stands apart, but there is that there is that. Uh, issue out there about taking a life and what does that mean and so uh, I think that the, we can still demonstrate the gospel through mm-hmm. that uh, through some of these issues you know the issues of war the issues of yeah. 
justice within. I mean, right now, like police mm-hmm. and justice and police reform is really, yeah, really important. Um, it, it's 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 one of those uh, issues that that's being heavily debated even right now, mm-hmm. and um, all of us in our country are just. I say all of us. Most of us are quite just disgusted at the fact that this man, George Floyd, mm-hmm. died in the hands of people that were trying yes. to, you know, uh, uh, that that should be protecting and serving, and yet they mm-hmm. took his life. Yes. And um, uh, I, I would hope many of us would agree that that should not have happened. Yeah. And uh, that there are other people out, outside of his situation in, just in recent weeks that are coming to light where, you know— mm-hmm. th- there are cases where, or even inside of our justice system, mm-hmm. people are not acting like they should. They're yeah. taking lives when they shouldn't. Yes, and um, that that that's a whole other issue that I think is a great question to mm-hmm. to consider. Yeah. Um. But it doesn't really apply to this question right now. Mm-hmm. But still, it it's part of this conversation, right? It's yeah. part of the the leading of the Holy Spirit. How does how do we reflect Christ in our actions? And I think uh, that question, if if anyone is in uh, a position of serving within a police force or mm-hmm. the military, uh, man, they have to live with that question. Yes, that their actions should should reflect Christ, um, no matter what. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that would help a lot in in some of the situations that we're seeing today. Absolutely. So. In some upcoming episodes, we're going to jump into some of those issues as well. I think it's something that. Um, we can and should have a continued conversation about mm-hmm. not only in community with each other, but also on this podcast. And right. and one thing that um, when I look at this specific case, this man, George Tiller's murderer, was acting as a lone wolf. And while community is not perfect, we just discussed, you know, there, there are some um, systematic problems in different uh, – parts of our society and things like that. The Bible also teaches that community and collaboration are good things, right? Not only on the civil side of things where God has quite a bit to say about how we should respond to civil authorities, but also on what we call the ecclesial also on uh, but also on what we call the ecclesi the doctrine of ecclesiology. Yeah, there Woo. you go. I was I was like repeating myself to try to edit that out, but I think we're just going to stick with it, right? But also when it comes to the church, right? When right. it comes to the way we interact with other believers, right? Right. Yeah, and you know it's it's very important for us to uh, to understand that we as the church have a role in the the issues like mm-hmm. abortion, for instance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we are known. In our culture today, I say we as the church are known for speaking out against abortion. Yes. And um, also, I mean, like I mentioned before in some of those videos that I've seen and stuff, it's not always in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not necessarily standing up. We're not trying to uplift the the uh, the, the character of God in our actions. We're just, necess- we're, we're just trying to speak against the practice of abortion without mm-hmm. any any real uh, context. And frankly, without any real support mm-hmm. for those people who are either considering it or support for those who have been through that, yeah. who've had an abortion. Now, this is changing, you know, in, in the past decade or so. There, there have been a lot more um, studies and groups created that help 
address this issue, to help mm-hmm. equip the, the people of the church to minister to those people who have gone mm-hmm. through abortions. Because what, what we see especially is that so many people go through that, uh, that process and then just suffer so much afterwards, not mm-hmm. physically as much yes. as they, I mean, some, some do, but even emotionally and spiritually. And so uh, we as the church can be there before and even for those that have been through it on the after too. And it's very important for us to, if we think of a contrast of how this guy, this Scott guy acted, mm-hmm. that are, that are, are like the proper way for the Holy Spirit to lead us through this is for the church to be be that that community that supports people who are either considering going into it or those that mm-hmm. have that have have taken uh, that path and gone through that practice. And so, um, you know, we really need to not just speak out against abortion, but mm-hmm. okay, how do we offer like an alternative? Yeah. That that because we can say all day long that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that, hey, I'm pro-life. But we have to tell people what that means. It's like, mm-hmm. what does pro-life mean? Yeah. And how can we show you life? Because Jesus says that mm-hmm. in John 10, 10, that he comes, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come so they have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And um, we as the church need to be able to show people what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does life mean? And uh, even more like... Um, I think I want to take this opportunity just to say that, you know, if we're going to stand up and say that we're pro-life is regarding this issue, mm-hmm. then we need to say we're pro-life in all forms of life. And and that means that uh, with, with uh, children, foster care, adoption, mm-hmm. this has also been a big push uh, in, in, in recent years with the church that we need to also stand up as equally as much for advocating for uh, adoption and for... Um, foster care, you know, and, and supporting parents through that. Mm-hmm. And we need to be pro-life when it comes to the matter of race yeah, and racism and speaking out against racism, saying that we're, we're pro-life, we're pro-everybody, mm-hmm. we're pro-everyone that, uh, you know, yes, black lives matter mm-hmm. and Native American lives matter. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, you know, uh, those are just two examples that I've seen just this this past few weeks we need to stand up and really be pro-life mm-hmm. and, yes. and demonstrate that like and truly truly pro-life from conception to natural death for everyone right right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh we see that through the gospel we see that through the the character of christ how he treated uh people i mean he spoke out so much um uh in many different ways against practices of uh, even like racism in his own time yeah. when it came to the Samaritans, especially yes. how he would treat people. And even when he crossed those lines, when he would treat women with fairness and dignity mm-hmm. in a time when they didn't have an identity, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we need to reflect that. And and that's equally as important in this conversation too, is that not just saying that what this, this um, Scott did to this George Tiller guy was wrong mm-hmm. in murdering him, but also the opposite of that is, you know, we should be practicing these positive practices too and not just looking at the negative so yeah yeah and ultimately really as the church we're not only called to speak out against injustices we're also called to to actively work to repair and prevent the 
fallout of injustice, right? When right. you look at the murder of George Tiller, um, his death did nothing to stop the tide of abortion right. in this world, right? There was another abortion doctor that filled his post afterwards, and there will always be another abortion doctor. And it's our job not only to not only to call out injustice, but also have a transformative impact on the world right. to reduce the amount of injustice that's happening, right? Right. And injustice is a, is a good term to apply in this situation, right? Yeah. And, and that, that, that's really the heart of this question. Was Scott, uh, what's his last name? Scott Roeder, was Scott Roeder just in killing George Tiller mm-hmm. and taking his life? And what Scott Roeder really did was circumvent mm-hmm. justice. Yes. Right? He not only administered justice, but also uh, judgment as far as ex- the execution of this man. And when we think of specific applications in this and, and what the scripture says to this specific issue, there are a couple of, uh, I think, key texts. That mm-hmm. We could actually look at a lot of different uh, passages to talk about mercy and about treating one another and um, uh, treating one another like God would treat us, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of things that that, that that could apply here, but specific to this question, I think, are some scriptures that deal with living within a system of justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans chapters 12 and 13 are pretty specific to this. Now, keep in mind, like we said before, uh, this scripture was, uh, this particular one was written by Paul as a letter to the church living in Rome. And so this this situation, specifics of it apply to Romans mm-hmm. living within not only the the government of Rome, but also living in um, a time when, uh, well, I'll just say, like, just to be specific, uh, people were rebelling against some of the taxation in Rome mm-hmm. during this point in history. Yes. And so the, the, there was a point in time when uh, the Romans started to protest the tax and not pay taxes. Yeah. So Paul's writing in in Romans twelve. Actually, when you start picking up in Romans twelve on, mm-hmm. Paul uh, is trying to give the Christians in Rome specific instructions on what it would look like to be transformed, to live distinctively in such a way that people see Jesus in them. And so uh, he starts to address some issues like interpersonally in the end of chapter twelve, mm-hmm. but then also um, he brings up the issue of vengeance mm-hmm. between one another and treating one another uh, not carrying out this vengeance this justice if just justice if someone does evil to you yeah and so Paul like he, he, he ties that together with uh, living within a system of government and mm-hmm. what the purpose of that government is and so uh, you know he says this in Romans 12. I'm going to start in verse 18. He says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Drink. By so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the end of chapter 12. And then mm-hmm. 13, the very first verse of 13 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul didn't have a chapter-verse break there. He's he's continuing in that whole, th- whole yeah. thought applies to everything. But what happens, because of the chapter-verse break often, like I said before, people will take verses like this and proof text it. Yeah. And start to say, well, God put this person in authority, mm-hmm. so we need, to, we need to support them no matter what. Mm-hmm. People will use that verse as long as they like the person in authority, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't like the person in authority, yeah. you know, uh, a Democrat will support a Democratic president. <laughs> With this verse, a Republican will support a Republican, but the, the minute that those things are reversed, it yeah. becomes a little less clear, right? Yeah. And even, like I said before, you know, there's even a question, uh, you know, of like, well, what about this verse in the middle of Nazi Germany mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the middle of 1770s when the colonies are rebelling against the monarchy? Yeah. And um, like I said, we're not really here to answer that question right now, mm-hmm. but when we see that um, this verse, what Paul is saying here, he's giving more of an individual mandate. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily saying like, okay, if you live in a totalitarian form of government or you've got a dictator, mm-hmm. don't overthrow them, you know. But we have to remember too, he's also writing this in a time when Romans lived under an emperor. Yeah. Right? Yes. They weren't They weren't living in this kind of society that we live in now. And so there is somewhat of an element of like, we have an individual mandate not to take the law into our own hands. Yes. Now, I, d- I would not say that this applies to like, okay, so try to, uh, you know, uh, the issue of like, let, let's say the issue of the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that we can take this verse and say like, well, the Revolutionary War was wrong. Yeah. It'd be very difficult to say that because it's 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 different. It's not yeah. really applying what Paul is saying here yeah. to what the actions were taken. This really brings to mind a principle of hermeneutics. Yes. The discipline of interpreting any text, whether that be the scriptures or um, a historical text or, or whatever. And it's usually prudent, it's usually wise to let the most clear portions of a text speak for that text and then be nuanced by less obvious or clear moments. So just because right. this is clear doesn't mean that it is final and universally applicable to every single situation, but it should be our default, right? Our right. default should be to live within our the bounds of our governing authorities according to Romans 13.1, correct? Right, exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, more specifically, like I said before, Paul is giving more of an individual mandate mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Don't take the law into your own hands. Yes. That's really what he's saying here. And he goes on to talk about that in the following verses, which I won't read just for the sake of time. But he talks about the the governing authorities keeping the law, they being in charge of justice and vengeance and, you know, what what we would maybe Mm -hmm. think of as judgment, right? And uh, Paul's basically trying to help the people in Rome, the church in Rome, to give them instructions on if you want to show Jesus through your lives and actions, then you've got to be someone who lives within uh, this parameter where you have some somewhat of an, a respect for authority. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to agree with that authority, but if you're going to say that we follow God and we have respect for his authority, then you have to respect other authorities mm-hmm. as well. 
And especially when it comes to this idea of like, do not take vengeance into your own hands. Mm-hmm. That's God never ever actually, yes. even in the situations that we described earlier with Joshua and them, he never just gives like, okay, you, you take vengeance in your yeah. own hands. Instead he says, you do what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Because he's God, he's our leader, he's our boss, he's our king, mm-hmm. and that's that's what we do. And so w- within, within Paul's writing here, uh, we see specifically addressing this issue that we're not to take justice in our own hands. So what this... Uh, this Scott did to the abortion doctor George was wrong. Yes. And he was not justified in doing that. Um, and neither w- would we be justified in taking the life of anyone circumventing the justice system or in in a in an unjust manner. And so, again, there's more conversations to have to be had because of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I would welcome anyone that's listening right now is always welcome to come and we'll discuss things. Yeah. Uh, I love to do that more than anything almost is just sit down and talk with people, especially when it comes to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but within this, the context of this question, no, Scott was not just. <laughs> and in fact, if you, if you go look at his life, if you study him, mm-hmm. uh, this was a very troubled individual. Yeah. Or is, I should say. Because he, he, I believe he's still alive. Yes, yes. Um, you know, he dealt with uh, mental illness, deals with mental Ill- illness. Mm-hmm. Um, he was someone who, uh, according to just the the pieces of his history that, that we know of, didn't really, uh, you know, come into uh, religion and Christianity more specifically as something that was a way of, of just like he didn't grow up in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't really understand that. He got a lot of his information from people who were outliers, right? People who yeah. were who were on the, the fringes of society, who were very angry. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything in his life came from anger. And so, th- I mean, this was not motivated by the Lord. It wasn't motivated by even necessarily, um, I think, some sort of twisted form of justice in mm-hmm. his own mind. He was just angry. Yeah. And his anger came forth in this, this manner. And so mm-hmm. when you look at this, um, this individual... Uh, you see that not only was he not just because of the scripture, but also just his life doesn't reflect a life of justice yeah. in general either. Yeah. So it wasn't that even his actions were confused as far as um, he may have thought he was just. In fact, it's it's reported that he doesn't ever show remorse for his actions. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also know that his his scope was r- extremely narrow, but and his life doesn't reflect a life that would say, yeah, th- this was a just person that just made a mistake or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, no, in fact, you know, we see just another a, a support of his own life. He doesn't, his actions don't support mm-hmm. what he did there uh, as far as justice being served. Yeah. And uh, there's also other, other scriptures that apply to this idea, you know, in, in Peter, Peter addresses um, governing authorities. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he even talks about being like in submission to authorities and honoring, fearing God honor the emperor Mm -hmm. again he's not trying to say agree with everything because it doesn't take you long to start reading around those verses to see that like of course if an emperor or a president or whomever tells you you can't worship the lord that's Mm -hmm. that's a deal breaker yeah right um in fact i mean these people couldn't in in the who are reading romans or reading first peter yeah they weren't really allowed to be Christ followers, mm-hmm. and yet they did. They did in secret. Yeah. But they still, and I love how Paul puts it in Romans 12, as, as long as it depends on you, 
uh, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And that's really that's where it really comes down to. Mm-hmm. If as much as we can, we have to live in peace with people, showing Jesus through our actions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what leads into the, the other issues uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to like war or or issues of like. Um, if you're in like serving in the police and you have to take a life, even if someone like breaks into your home, yeah, and you're defending your family, like, th- like what's the right thing to do there? Mm-hmm. And I think that this this verse and this principle even sets up that discussion mm-hmm. is like as far as it depends on you, yeah. And um, but when you think about that in the context of Scott assassinating George Tiller. Uh, that that does not apply here. In fact, if you read the case, if you're out there and you haven't read the case, you can just go look online a little bit for it. I mean, this George Tiller was he he was an usher in his church, and was shot in the head in his church by this guy, and um, and so just it just it's just not good. And and no, he was not just. And I think ultimately, you know, one thing that that you kind of brought to my mind as you were, you know, talking about, um, as far as it depends on us, right. As, as, as far as we can to, to seek for justice. Right. Right. Um, it really brings, brings to my mind the, the fact that if we live a life, if we have a pattern of living that is consistently following after the Lord, if we have a pattern of living that consistently seeks injustice, if we have a pattern of living that consistently honors and upholds life, especially in the image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. When situations like this come up, when questions like this come up, if, you know, Lord forbid, we're put in a position where we have to make that hard decision between defending our family um, or avoiding taking a life, or we have to make the decision whether or not to defend our country or to, to be on to be in situations where those hard questions have to be asked the time to prepare ourselves for making those decisions and for for making godly decisions in those situations is by living a pattern that reflects the character of God as revealed mm. in the scriptures wouldn't you say I, would, I would totally agree mm-hmm. yes all right all right well hey thanks man I think that that's a uh I think that that's a great place for us to kind of wrap it up. You know, this Thank is you. the type of subject we could talk about it all day and it's mm-hmm. really tempting to do so. But, um, I really think we laid down a great foundation and I just want to tell you, thank you for jumping on here and, and talking about this with me. It's a heavy subject, but I'm so thankful that it gave us an opportunity to just dive into the person work of the Lord and, and, uh, and how that bears on our life. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Okay. <laughs> Evie, come here. Doug's adorable little girl, Evelyn, just walked into the office, and I can hardly contain myself. She's so cute. You just can't say no to that. I know. She's got a little white bow on her head. Yeah, you got a snow cone, too. Hey, leave it there. Hey, set it down. Hey, set it down, Evie. Set it down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sit down. That's weird. That sure is weird. <laughs>